Christmas Eve Eve. Double Eve. Hey, King of Kings, it is so good to be with you tonight to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That is what Christmas is all about, right? The birth of Jesus. It, it can be so, we can get so caught up in the middle of things that sometimes we forget what like everything is about. And I think sometimes we miss opportunities that are right in front of us. Do you remember this video rental store called Blockbuster, anybody? Anybody remember that? That used to be one of the traditions we might do on Christmas Eve. Eve would go rent a movie at this store. And well, legend has it that at one time, this up and coming video rental store or platform called Netflix offered Blockbuster to buy this thing for $50 million. And Blockbuster said no. And if you fast forward all of the way today, Netflix is worth $123 billion. And Blockbuster is down to one single solitary store in Bend, Oregon. And ironically, the only reason we know that is because it's a documentary on Netflix of all things. <laughs> Crazy. I bet the Blockbuster execs wish the Netflix execs would be kind and rewind back to that opportunity again. How about this one? There was once a social media platform that, that was so large and so big, it was called MySpace. Anybody have a MySpace page out there? Yeah, and early in their history, there was again another young up-and-comer called Facebook that they could have bought for $50 million. They said no. Again, fast forward to today, and Facebook, last month at least, was worth $300 billion, a 4,000x return on investment. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the middle of our own things that we miss out on great opportunities. And I feel like Christmas is one of those that, that in the midst of all of the celebrations and the things that we do, we can somehow miss out on, on what's right in front of us, on the opportunity that's right here tonight. Is it possible that we can be so familiar and so close to this story that, that we miss the point of what this night was all about? And some of you are like, Zach, you're crazy. How in the world can anybody miss Christmas? I mean, it is the most anticipated, celebrated, and commercialized holiday of the year. It gets, it gets a whole month, and I've actually been back to Omaha for two Christmases now, and you guys give it like a month and a half, because some of y'all hang lights the first week of November right after Halloween is done. You know who you are. And so for like 45 days, we are inundated with, with Christmas cookies and carols and cards and, and, and lights and parties and ugly sweaters and on and on and on. And so how can anyone in Omaha miss Christmas? How can anyone? Like, even if you're not religious, like, we have to admit, like, the culture shifts in this month like crazy, like the landscape changes. When you start driving around, you'll see lights on homes you never saw before. You see fake reindeer in people's yards for some reason this time of year. There are radio stations that totally, completely change the genre of music and just play Christmas the whole month. Even the foods that we eat change. Some of you tomorrow, you're going to put marshmallows on yams, and you do that for no other day of the year, but you will tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about? Like we eat fruitcakes in December. We drink eggnog in December. I've got a dare for you. I want you to eat a fruitcake and drink eggnog in public in May next year. Good luck. <laughs> People are going to think you are weird and you've lost your mind. Because that's not May food. That's Christmas time food. And just a social commentary here before I move forward. Like if there's not something more behind all of the things that we do, all the traditions, we have to like say we do weird things. 
right? We, we have to like peel back and say, hang on, I just, with my hard-earned money, bought a fake tree and brought it into my home. Or I went into the forest, chopped one down, strapped it on the roof, drove it home, dragged it in the house and put lights on it. That's weird. Or I buy my kids stuff all the time, but man, I got caught up in the hoopla of the Black Friday sales, and and man, I just bought the entire camping section at Shields, even though we've never even camped as a family. Just got caught up in it. We do some weird things. I I just risked my life in negative 40-degree wind chill to make sure that my eight-foot inflatable Santa was standing upright. (laughs) What? By the way, it's cold. This is awful. What is this outside right now? But if I can be honest with you, and maybe it just comes with my wisdom in my old age, but it it feels like, I don't know, it it feels like Christmases are just familiar, like they're they're feeling the same every year. Kind of like every every Hallmark movie you've binge-watched every night since Halloween. You know what I'm talking about? It's that they're all the same. Big town business person strolls into little antique downtown, eats a caramel apple, sips hot cocoa, swears off big city, moves to little city, falls in love at the same time with someone and they work together on making themselves better people. Everything is going great until about 24 minutes in, there's conflict that comes and usually it's because the other person only partly heard a conversation, not the whole. So for 17 minutes, there's tension, but by seven minutes, everything is settled and they live happily ever after. Am I right? I just saved you days next year, by the way, days. But I can't just knock Hallmark movies. The familiar Christmas movies we watch, they end the same every year, and you know this. You know that Buddy the Elf is gonna reconcile with the dad that abandoned him, right? You know that the Grinch's heart is gonna grow three times as big, that Kevin's gonna get left home alone and outsmart the bad guys and his family's gonna get home before Christmas. You know that, that Ralphie's gonna get his Red Rider BB gun and, and you know that Scrooge is gonna magically turn into this kind, generous, soft-hearted human being. And yes, Clark will get the check in time for the bonus for to put the pool in for next year, right? They end the same every year. And before you start thinking, man, Zach's like the Grinch up there tonight. Let me do a hard stop and just say, I love Christmas. I love getting gifts and I love giving gifts. And I know we're in church. I should have reversed the order because the Bible says more blessed to give than to receive. I'm working on it. But I think there's so much good in a lot of the traditions. Actually, a lot of the traditions, if you trace them back, have godly roots. Did you know that? I love the, the joy that comes in giving and receiving. The, the parties and the family time, the dinners that you get to have and the family traditions that you, can, that you can make up. I do, I hope I got some cool stuff lit up under my fake tree in my basement tomorrow or Saturday whenever I get to open them, Sunday, whatever it is. I'm not, so I'm not up here like knocking any of the traditions, but I'm just, I came here tonight to tell you there's deeper waters to swim in that many of us aren't swimming in. And so here's my plea tonight, is don't miss. Don't miss the shining star in the midst of celebrating all the shadows. 
Don't miss them. And what I mean by shadows is all of these traditions that, that have something in them. And there's something good and something beautiful in these shadows. And that's why it captivates the hearts of believers. And not just the believers, but it's why certain traditions capture the heart of the secular and the atheist, the Buddhists, and go on and on. They, these things, they have something in them. There's something beautiful. It's touching a piece of us that feels right. Even the movies, right? There's hope and reconciliation in a lot of the movies that we watch this time of year. It feels right to see lights in darkness. It brings joy. When we give gifts, it feels and stirs emotions in us that God put inside of us. It's great to enjoy a new sweater. God gave us gifts to enjoy. But my plea, again, is not to miss the shining star in the midst of celebrating all the shadows. Because this is my concern for you, and it's a concern that we can so easily, physically, tangibly see in this season, but I feel like has crept into more of our everyday lives as well. That, that we are a people that settle for good things with good elements at the expense of the best. And so through all the, the pageantry, the pomp, the parties, and the punch, don't miss the point that this is a pursuit of a God who passionately loves his kids that he would do anything to get us back. And he will chase us down in the most extraordinary and yet seemingly ordinary of ways because he loves you and I that much. Christmas marks the beginning of the most daring rescue mission that the world has ever seen. That the savior of the world would come through a teenage peasant girl who scientifically is unable to have child. Like, why would God come this way? Like, why would God come at all when his prized creation had actually abandoned him? Christmas is a story that when we abandoned him, God didn't abandon us. He came near and he did more than come near. He actually came in human form as a baby boy born in a wooden feeding box meant for cattle in a little nothing nobody town called Bethlehem in the shadows and outskirts of the big city Jerusalem. And this bloody, ugly, yet somehow beautiful labor scene where the promised one would enter into this world would lead and set the stage for another ugly, bloody, yet beautiful scene where Jesus' blood would be spilt and shed for you as he hung upon a wooden cross to die for the sins of the world, including yours. From a wooden cattle box to a wooden cross, this pursuit is for you because God loves you. Don't miss that truth. And I think the reason most of us in this room miss this I feel like it's just gotten too familiar for us. And so for some of us in the room, like the story of Christmas is no longer the shining star of the season. It's just another shadow. It's another, even some of you, it's just another thing that we do. It's another tradition. We, we show up, we hear the Christmas Eve message, we check the box, make grandma happy, and we move on to the next tradition and to the next, next shadow. And, and by the way, we love every single one of you that are here tonight. But what I don't want is for this to just be another shadow for anybody here tonight. For anybody here. And so let me, let me just ask this question. I'm, I'm curious. Audience participation time. How many of you in this room, tonight is your very first Christmas or Christmas Eve service 
ever. I'm not just talking about King of Kings, but you've never been to one. This is your very first. If you would be bold to put up your hand, I promise I won't ask you to do anything else. Is tonight the very first Christmas, Christmas Eve service you've been to? Around the room. I saw two, maybe three hands. How many of you, like, you've been to at least 10 Christmas Eve services before? Anywhere? Anywhere? How many of you have been to at least 25 before? Yeah. I'm 39, but I've been like to three or four every year, so I think I'm well over 100 now at this point. <laughs> and and what, I, what I just saw was what I thought I'd see, and so for maybe 1% in the room, this story is new to you, and it's a beautiful story, and you've heard aspects of it, but man, for 99% of us in this room tonight, we are, we are familiar with this story. And I wonder if you've gotten so familiar with the Christmas story and with Jesus that that in life you have settled for shadows, settled for good things with good elements in them at the expense of the best thing, which is Jesus. And by doing so, you're missing out on the real opportunity that Jesus came to give you 2,022 years ago. So so let me do a quick test. When, When I talked earlier, just a few minutes ago, about God coming down supernaturally through a virgin born in a wooden box in a manger, like what was your reaction to that? Was it like, oh yeah, I know this story and pastor's gonna talk about Mary and Joseph and angels and shepherds and wise men and gold and frankincense and myrrh, I know this. And I believe in this. It's true, this is the story that I believe in. Was that your reaction? Or, or, or as you're listening to this story and pondering what Jesus did on this night, does it stop you in your tracks and leave you amazed and, and like in awe that God would step down off of his throne to come and rescue us? What? You would do what, God? I just think it's gotten too familiar. And when we hear things over and over and we experience it, we're in the middle of stuff, we miss out on opportunities. When the first time I moved to Omaha, it was 1993 with my family. And so for the first five years, like all I knew and all I was familiar was winning and even championship football here in Nebraska. It was great. I was like, yeah. And I got cocky and I got, I got prideful. But you know what? Now that it's been a quarter century, like I miss it. I really want it back. Don't you? But man, it felt familiar and it felt good. And now that I don't have it, I want it back. Because when we're in the middle of something that's really good, sometimes we start taking it for granted, and then it's gone. This wouldn't be, by the way, the first time that anybody missed what Christmas was about. Even in our Christmas story, do you know the ones that most of us in the room are, 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 are most like? It's the religious leaders of Jerusalem. These were the ones that attended church. They were religious. Morally, they checked a lot of the right boxes. And so in the Christmas story, wise men from the east came from about 700 miles to chase after this shining star in the sky, and it led them to Jerusalem. And they didn't know where to go at this point, so they went into the temple and they talked to King Herod. It says it this way in Matthew chapter 2. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. So we saw the star. We traveled 700 miles, camel and on foot, probably took months to get here, and we know we're close. Where is he? And Herod, man, he doesn't like this question, because Herod, you need to know this about Herod, was the king of Rome, the most powerful, influential position in the world. And so any sort of king of anybody else represents a threat to him. 
And so not only is he disturbed, but he also like just legitimately doesn't know. But he has an army of people that do know, and so he brings them in. It says this in verse four, that he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he asked them, he inquired, where the Christ, where Jesus was to be born? And here's what the religious leaders said. In Bethlehem, in Judea, Bethlehem of Judea. And then they quoted the prophet Micah in the Old Testament. So so get this, again, Herod says, where is Christ going to be born? And he asks the religious leaders, and they say, this is where it's going to happen. Like they know, they're familiar with the story. They've been waiting and discussing and debating and detailing what this day would look like for centuries. A lot of people in Israel knew. They were familiar They were waiting for hundreds of years for this promise to come, and they knew where it was going to happen. They knew where he was going to be born, like pretty close details, Bethlehem of Judea. Bethlehem, by the way, is a very small place. It's not big at all. And so to know that the Savior was going to be that close is like they could have guessed pretty, pretty quickly and found Jesus. And not only on top of that, But if you go a few verses later down in Matthew chapter two, verse nine, God drops a star literally right over the house where Jesus resides. It's that obvious. It's that obvious. And yet the people that knew missed the miracle in their making. They were so familiar with it. And by the way, do you know what they did for hundreds of years as they waited for the promise to come? They added traditions more and more shadows. And I think they got to the place where they, they, they liked their shadows so much that by the time the shining star came, they settled for the shadows. And they were unimpressed, not concerned, and completely apathetic. They were so familiar, they missed the miracle in the making. And again, I want to just get the visual here. Remember, this is not like they'd have to go on a super long journey to discover where Jesus is. It's five miles away. So in our story, this is the equivalent of wise men coming 700 miles from the east. So they're, they're coming like from Denver, Colorado. Let's say they show up here. We're, we're Jerusalem, right? We're the temple here at I Street Campus. Like they show up here. This is where the religious folk hang out, right? We check the right boxes. Morally, we know thing, we're good. We know things. And so these people from Denver show up here in Omaha at King of Kings. And they say, hey, we know it. We, 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 we chase the star. It's close. We know we're close, but, but we don't know where exactly to go. And we know, we're like, oh, it's five miles away. It's right next to Topgolf. Um, that's where Jesus is getting born, right next to Topgolf. And so they hear the answer, and, and they then go over to Topgolf, whereas we, we just don't. And every analogy breaks down because Topgolf's not like Bethlehem, right? Topgolf's big and bold and beautiful, glitz and glamour, nachos, wings, heaters when it's cold, although I doubt anybody would do that today. Uh, but anyway, don't you see? 700 miles away, people are chasing down this star, and yet we here know that Jesus is only a few miles away, and we won't even go check it out. Why? Because we've gotten so familiar with the story and with the shadows that we're unimpressed. So let's, let's get personal now. Been back to Omaha for about 18 months, and, and I've had this subjective hunch or, or feeling for a while. And, and as I say this, I'm not saying that there aren't any individual or collective expressions that would say otherwise. But I have felt in Omaha that there is great familiarity with Jesus, but an overall sleepiness when it comes to our faith. 
an overall lack of urgency that I can't, I can't figure out exactly except to say maybe we've just started to take God for granted. And so my subjective hunch is actually starting to become an objective reality. What I mean is this, uh, Barna, who is the top Christian research company in our nation, they're actually doing a citywide Omaha study on the state of Christianity. So for a, a data junkie like me, I'm geeking out because next year we will have the deepest, most extensive research we've ever had on our city on the state of Christianity and what it means for our lives. And so because of our partnership with Within Reach, who is commissioning this project, I'm able to sit on a couple teams and got to get a little bit of the early data that won't get out officially till 2023. And man, there's a couple pieces that, that really have stuck out to me. And first is the good news that in Omaha, 67% of Omahans believe in Jesus. They self-identify as a Christian. That's higher than the national average. That's something to be celebrated. That means that, that these are people that, that identify with what this pursuit on Christmas morning is all about. And they believe that not only did Jesus come as a baby, but he died as a savior and he rose as a savior. And because of that, they have a beautiful eternity that awaits them. It's beautiful. I love that we're higher than the national average. Now the part that's frustrating for me. In all the cities that they've completed a deep dive into thus far, they notice something distinct and different about Omaha, that though we celebrate two-thirds of us in the greater metro being Jesus-identifying Christians, that Omaha scored substantially lower on overall well-being and satisfaction in life than any of the other cities. And the most striking of all things to me was this, that in Omaha, followers of Jesus scored the exact same as non-followers of Jesus when it comes to overall well-being and satisfaction in life. And here's what this tells me, that we are a city that is familiar with Jesus, but we have lost the wonder and the awe that comes through this God. That, that for whatever reason, the, the hope and the peace and the joy that Jesus offers to us with this belief that we already have, that for whatever reason, we're not experiencing that on a daily basis. And I think that's sad because I don't believe that's what Christ came to give us on Christmas. A very mediocre, unsatisfying, unwell life that fits in his, and is familiar and just hangs on until one day you die and you'll be in heaven with Christ. That's not, that's not what Jesus wants for you. And it's certainly not an effective way to bring God's kingdom into Omaha. Hey, you should believe in Jesus so you can be as unhappy as I am and you'll have your life suck as much as mine. What? How's there no discernible difference? And please hear me that when you believe in Jesus, I'm not, I'm not saying that every day is perfect and you're gonna just, everything's gonna be easy and it's candy canes and Feliz Navidad in your life all the time, right? We know this, even in this room, like I know that Christmas is the hardest season of the year for some of you because, because with this season is attached deep loss. So let's not gloss over that. And I don't want you to think that if you're having a hard day, moment or season that, that you're failing at believing or failing at following or that you're not good. You're good. But I do want to remind you that even if it's a hard day, moment, or season, that in the midst of eternity, that too is a shadow. That too is a shadow. And so why? Why is there no discernible difference in our lives? It's frustrating me. It's eating at me. I hate it when I see that in myself. Have we gotten so familiar with God that we've taken him for granted? 
And I don't want this message to come off like it's negative, like, oh, all he did was yell at us for a long time. Like, no, this is a good news day, guys. The angel, I come to bring you good news of great joy, a savior is born. And, but I, I'm like, I think we know that. 99% of us in this room know that. We know that. And so what's missing? So what I, well, I don't want you to seem, ah, oh, this is negative. What I do want you to ponder tonight is what is this night really all about? I do want this message to feel, to feel heavy. I want it to have some weight attached to it. I don't want it to be another familiar Christmas Eve sermon that you go to and check a box and you return to your familiar life where you probably adhere to Jesus and identify as a Christian but aren't experiencing the daily benefits that God came to give you. I don't want that. And I bet you're tired of it too. Jesus didn't just come on Christmas morning so that you would believe and one day have heaven when you die. Jesus came to give you life and life to the fullest right now. It's a life that, as I said, doesn't always have easy days attached to it, but it's a life if you follow after him with meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and reward. And this is the opportunity that too many in Omaha are missing, that we are believing and we are existing, but we're not really following and living. And I think you know who you are. I think you know that. And so if you miss what this is all about, let me, let me guess at what is familiar, what will happen. That Monday afternoon, after all is said and done, you, you will have a dirtier house than normal. Probably have more debt than normal. Shouldn't have bought the whole camping section at Shields after all. Your cardboard bin will be way overflowing and it's super annoying that that'll take weeks to catch back up. Amen? <laughs> but maybe the thrill of gifts can get you through Monday. Maybe Tuesday you go to the post-Christmas extended family party wearing a new sweater and that feels nice. But in a few days, you'll look back and then you'll flip the new year and you'll say, well, man, Christmas flew by again. And well, here we go, 2023, it's a new year. And I just want you to pause and think like, are you content with where you're at right now? Or might 2023 be a year where you change? I think Omaha, something's gotta change. When I see statistics like that, I think we're at a place where something's got to change. And it starts with you and your heart. The great news, the gift is there for you. Like he can make a difference in your, in your life every single day. And so ponder, think about what is Christmas really about? Amen?